So before we start, how do you want me to introduce you? Oh, yeah. Um, okay, let's <laughs> see what I've been introduced <laughs> with before. Now I know what you mean by leaving one out. Because otherwise you feel like echo. My name is Amy Needham. This is Amy Needham. Well, AKA Needham Fit. Needham Fit, you might know her on the gram as. No, I think um some people say now introduce like. I'm trying to think. Come on, now. give yourself a. Oh, I hate this. Okay. No. Um, well, one is like the orgasm PT is what I got introduced on and Nick Brackens and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Are you the orgasm PT? That's what they coined me okay. because I'm the only one who, well, that more people speak about it now, but they're the one who's like more vocal about like the orgasm gaff and stuff like that or talks about taboo topics. Yep. Um, and... Uh, all right, well, let's roll with that because I've already started recording and I just wanted to see what oh, you fucker. <laughs> I just wanted to see what you would do if no one was listening. Oh, my God. I love that that's the only thing that I came up with and I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start talking about orgasms. Do you want to start there? Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Um, or do we need to have okay. a bit of foreplay first? Foreplay. Um, all right, we can speak about vaginal dryness first. That's not really foreplay, but. Um, yeah. Okay. So I suppose the reason why I got coined that one first is because the topics I was speaking about with the orgasm gap related more to reverse dieting and a pain point for a lot of women would have been that they didn't have adequate lubrication or they didn't have a higher sex drive. Um, and they just felt as though it's, it's like a key giveaway if someone isn't eating enough food or if they're training too hard or overtraining mm. because they they don't have that need or sexual desire that they normally would have or they feel inadequate in their relationships or they don't yeah. feel as desired but a lot of it comes down to that they're not nourishing their body enough yeah would it be as a result of um like issues with the hormones so hormonal down regulation because of they're not getting the energy they require to sustain that physiological process which is yes yeah. yeah so when you look at like ha or functional ha if someone is in a relationship and they are having frequent sex or coitus whichever way you want to call it you can sustain uh, your cycle's a little bit longer because, yeah, your body thinks it's going to get a baby out of you. <clears throat> but the energy status of the female or particularly the body fat percentage or even the BMI isn't high enough to warrant reproductive systems. So those things naturally downregulate. So you can – like you don't actually have to be underweight or shredded or too lean or anything to have a missing cycle or yeah. to have missing menses and things like that. But I think what people focus upon as well is that you don't – like the point of your menstrual cycle isn't menses, it's not your bleed, it's ovulation. Like yeah. That's the, the main part of it. And so if you're, you could still be having a bleed, even if you weren't on OCP on contraception, but you might not be ovulating, Yeah. which is where things like symptothermal method and stuff like that, and taking your temperature and tracking all your discharge and stuff What's like that come in. What's the symptothermal method? Oh, is that what you're saying? Tracking yeah, your temperature? yeah, yeah. Right. So I use like something like Kindara app and stuff with my clients as well. So it allows you to input your cycle rather than it guesstimating or guessing for you because not all cycles are um, equal or consistent the same way through. You might have a cycle which is 22 days and another which is 28 days and things. So knowing that and inputting your own temperature, inputting your own discharge and any other symptoms are things that you can find out more about your cycle in that way. But 
I think the other one is that you can mask a lot of the effects of either HA, PCOS, endometriosis, things like that if you are on contraception. So that's not exactly a healthy place to be and you don't necessarily look at the underlying causes of irregularities with your menstrual cycle or with your hormones. Yeah. So would you say that going through the reverse dieting period and, and going through that, that's going to help with yeah, yeah. the issues so, that some women may experience when they're going th- when they've just gone through like a, a hard period of dieting. Yeah. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is like just because you might have low days during the week and high days on the weekend or highs and lows and your body overall calories might be say baseline, your body doesn't know the difference. It still thinks there's periods or times of deprivation because you are restricting. If you're intermittent fasting, your body still thinks it's in a, in a place where there's lack of food until later on in the hours. So I think when people do do that calorie cycling thing to cover up potentially if they're doing it for strength and performance or just for adherence that's fine if it's just a mask to disordered eating patterns um, and they still don't have a cycle that's something they need to look at further but I remember myself going to an endocrinologist and also a gynecologist as well and then asking them specifically why I didn't have a cycle and I didn't have one for six years so really really long time Um, and I was adamant that I suppose I was the exception. No, I've always been healthy and I've always been fit. I've never been on OCP. Like, um, I should be able to have a cycle. Like I take care of my body and everything as well, but the causes of amenorrhea predominantly or are generally, you're not eating enough. Like it's not about your body weight and it's not about your body fat percentage. It's about the energy deficit that you've created in your body. So whether you're expending too much energy and not consuming enough, um, or if you've, you're doing one or the other, like it still comes down to that. Or if you've gone low fat and you don't actually have enough carbohydrates to help nourish your central nervous system and your hypothalamus as well. So those things still play into it. But another key factor with it is stress. I was just about to say. Yeah. I was just about to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So they, when I went to the endocrinologist, she's like, okay, there's, I think she said there's four reasons. So one is you're not eating enough. Number two is say if it's, um, it used to be the female triad or the... Um, yeah, so overtraining yeah. essentially, and that's what a lot of athletes get. The funny thing is, I didn't even lose my period when I was a competitive gymnast. Like, yeah. I was still fine with that, and obviously that's because I was eating enough too. Um, another one could be if there's underlying issue like PCOS or something, and you're having irregularities, um, or if you're going perimenopause or going into premenopause a little bit earlier. And then the number four is actually type A personality. So, if someone is highly strung and highly stressed, yeah. They're just going to lose their cycle. You got to remember that, like your your cortisol still plays into your hypothalamus, still plays into the stress cascade, um, and that's going to be one of the things that will dictate whether your body perceives it's okay environment to make a baby or whether it's not. So, yeah. um, I was like, oh, that's definitely me. I am type A. I can definitely do it. I was obviously working at a health and fitness institute, which was um made for pressure under diamonds or diamonds made from pressure. So those really long work hours and even before that I was addicted to the grind I suppose of pushing um, and working 13 14 hour days on a mine site and then going home to have very little sleep but getting up early to train and then also do manual labor as a job and eat everything cauliflower and zucchini so (laughs) like I think that's like you, everyone wants to think they're an exception. Everyone yeah. wants to think like, no, 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 it must just be because my gut's upset or it must just be because I've started taking berberine or because 
um, I don't know, like just that like, oh, well, I must have PCOS, which is what so many women get told as well. Mm. And the thing is, unless you can clear at least four or five different symptoms, you don't have PCOS. Yeah. And the amount that actually have it, it's a sin set of symptoms yeah. not actually a diagnosis yeah. um, but honestly the main thing is an energy deficit yeah so if you can manage your stress and work on your energy deficit and downregulate your training which seems uncomfortable yeah um they're they're the main things to get in it back and unfortunately people want yeah you want to believe that no but i love my training i'm good at that i am yeah. full it's like are you or have you just got into the habit of eating a smaller amount and not realized or appreciated how much energy your body actually needs. Yeah, I've definitely seen that. And I, and I talk a lot about this idea of allostatic load. So like everything, like all these things contribute to stress, which people might not even necessarily be aware of as well. So like, you know, exercise is a stress on your body. You know, it's, it's okay. We do need stress in our lives. Like we need stress to survive. We need it to get shit done. Mm-hmm. Um, but short bursts, right? If it's over an extended period of time, chronic stress can sort of lead to um, issues with our health so you know exercise is a stress dieting is a stress and that can be overextended periods as well you know we have financial stresses we have emotional stresses we have uh, work stresses you know relationship stress a lot of different stresses in our lives that you know sometimes we don't necessarily or we aren't necessarily aware of it on the forefront that it could be contributing and you sort of think you know I'm doing all the right things I'm you know I'm exercising I'm eating well and blah 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 and it's like like have you had a look at at your stress and and how much you're actually doing yeah and I think another stressor that plays into that is a lack of sleep and it seems to be like a badge that people want to wear like sleep when I'm dead so I'll Mm. get as much done and I'm a boss bitch and all that kind of stuff like but the thing is is like females have a lot more hormones in play than what men do so men might be able to go longer periods of time and if you take it back to ancestral kind of days they would have been gone out you know hunting or whatever for hours and they can manage that and then they can rest later women are made to create life like you have to expect that you're going to have to take a little bit more self-care um, and also even if it's just simple things like undersleeping and that creating a potential insulin resistance that's the most common PCOS so if you are not taking care of yourself this cascade effect from there whether it be dysbiosis of your stomach or whether it be insulin resistance and then it be a creation of PCOS and it be amenorrhea and like emotional dysregulation and the fact that you're not sleeping enough to log all your memories and you know have that emotional versatility and you're more reactive and you have mood swings and things it's all just a knock-on domino effect from the fact that you're just not taking care of yourself yeah and so what do you sort of recommend if you have clients or even things you do personally for yourself to help manage stress um I generally book in so all of my clients have to do they don't have to do but it is in their calendars and things like that to do is that they do journaling gratitude logs or brain dumps so um, an example of this which I think works really well because people don't necessarily want to prioritize meditation meditation doesn't necessarily have to be sitting down cross legs eyes closed all that kind of stuff you can do a walking meditation you can do a shower meditation with the hot water running down your back and then have like your journal in your car for when you finish your walk to brain dump all your thoughts or you can have it in your bathroom so when you get out the shower you write down everything that you were thinking about in the shower or um, I think a lot when either I'm in the shower I've gone for a walk I've got a massage and like Mm. I either have lots of brimming ideas or I just 
I'm more contemplative, I guess. Um, so that kind of stuff works really well. No caffeine after 2 p.m., especially to mess with, not to mess with your sleep. Yeah. Um, other things would be like I always get them to do some kind of green exercise. Like if they have steps to do, for example, um, and they need that mental health kind of break, they can do their stairs or if they want to work their legs a little bit more, go outside and do walk stairs or go on a little hike or, um, you know, go out with friends. Like I think get into really nature? Good. Get into yeah. nature is a big, big one. Like, like sand, even sand if they want to. Oh, yeah. I love that. I think bit. that's amazing. And I think the other one is like that freedom because so many – we have enough coaches who tell women what to eat, how much to eat, which yes, I do prescribe like their nutrition and things as well. But having that flexibility and food freedom is a large part of what's missing. Um, so all of my clients, I suggest going out at least weekly on a social event to eat out like and pick simple things if they're going to track yeah. all their macros and things. But I think just that lowering stress, even associated with food, um, is a really good stress management tip and making sure you get like as a non-negotiable eight hours sleep a night yeah um when it comes to body restoration one eight hour sleep is not enough yeah because you accrue accrue that sleep debt right yes yeah and you may not be out you definitely can't make up on sleep debt but three nights of like seven to eight hours sleep that's body restoration so it's not oh whoops like i'm going to sleep in on sunday and then i'll get back to the grind at 4 a.m on monday like it Mm. needs to be a consistent thing so um I think those things definitely play into it. I get my clients to have like a happiness list. So if they're feeling sad, they can they can turn to that. Like whether it be a certain song they play or a friend they catch up with or patting puppies or going to get a massage. Like yeah. managing your mindset and managing your stress is the key thing to getting results above any other training program or nutrition or supplementation, um, I suppose, like procedure or, or template that you can follow. Yeah, and I love that you said it's not just about meditation. Like you choose your meditation as long as you're sort of aware of what's going on inside with whatever activity you choose, like that can be your meditation. Yeah, and I think as well as like versatility with it is that I share a lot of my meditations with my friends so I can see what they're listening to because you get stuck in the same as if if I wrote my own program, I'm also which I do, but you get stuck in picking your own exercises. Yeah. So it's like if I joined you for a workout, I'm like, all right, sweet. I'm going to try yeah. something new. Um, I'm going to glute bridge today, for example. <laughs> but um, the same thing is like bounce ideas off other people when there's so many good little short meditations, podcasts, affirmations that you can get even on Spotify or on YouTube and things like that. So just like change it up because you don't know what you don't need until you try it. Yeah. I find that I, yeah, I tune out if I do the same one over and over and over. It's just like, oh, I've heard this before. I'll just, um, like, I, I know what's going to come. I know what's coming. I'll just tune out. And then it's like your monkey mind starts playing. Yeah, and, and I think it depends on your, like, your mood. Because if someone told me in the morning, first thing to get up and meditate, I'd be like, hell no. Like, I've been in bed for eight hours. I need to move my body. So, I mm. think timing-wise too, because, like, I'm a fidget as it is, so I definitely have to move my body first and then I can meditate. But um, yeah, like know your surroundings. And I think another one with meditation that I find really good, um, like we obviously did a coastal one and it was by the beach and the sea and all that kind of stuff. So I think having something to focus on that brings you back to the present moment, whether it be like the wind on your skin or the sun on you, um, the sound of the ocean and stuff like that, that brings you into your present moment. And that's kind of that mindful meditation process that you want to be in. So if the lovely soothing voice that you're listening to is kind of 
exploring you or, you know, it's, your mind is still wandering, then you yeah. need a anchor point to bring you back. And I think nature offers that really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, going back to this orgasm gap that we were talking <laughs> about before, we kind of like went off on a little bit of a tangent. We started out strong and then we went off on a little bit of a tangent and now we're going to bring it Comes back. Late, well, no, literally. I was just thinking like... I was just thinking, like, for some people, like, even sex could be, like, your meditation. Oh, 100%. And it's, like... (laughs) Because you really have to be in the present moment there. Well, the thing is, when you look at the orgasm gap, I think a lot of the reason why there is, is because they're not in the present moment. Your mind is in your head being like, oh, my God, are my boobs too small? It's a little bit lopsided. I'm pretty sure he doesn't like my stomach. And uh, I'm quite sure that, like... Oh, but I've got wrinkles and you can't look and I've got that pimple that punch out. That is fucking why you have an orgasm gap is because yeah. you're too stuck in your own head and not experiencing pleasure in your own body yeah. or that sensual kind of like feelings and <laughs> that kind of stuff. Like I'm a bit of a nerd with mine too, but I would literally be like, oh, erectile tissue is <laughs> engorging. Like I think you don't have to go to that level of thinking like anatomically what is happening in your body, but yeah. being a little bit more present with it there's so many things in life like if you uh, dive into water you're going to feel it right but if you took that same concept and applied it to sex especially heterosexual sexual encounters because that's where the gap exists Mm -hmm. that's where you're going to be more mindful of it so being like close your eyes if you fucking need to or tell your partner exactly what you need or in small amounts but like progress to it Mm. um yeah the gap i think itself is this can you just explain what that what it actually means? Like what the actual orgasm gap yes. is? Okay, so generally the orgasm gap exists between males and females and it they don't see it in lesbian couples and they don't necessarily see it in gays. So it's the point at which a male will orgasm or ejaculate versus a female. So generally the same amount of time exists in males and females in masturbation for them to actually orgasm or come. But when it comes to sex together there's such a mismatch mm-hmm. so one you've got i suppose a sexual education system which doesn't even highlight the clitoris or doesn't even talk about like different uh, arousal times and stuff for males versus females you also have porn industry which you know if you looked at that it'd be like oh penis inserts into vagina and bam like she comes yeah um right. and you've got females with these impossible kind of like beauty standards um, that they perceive that they need to care about and not realizing that the person that we doesn't actually give a fuck. Mm. So they're just happy to be getting laid if we're honest. So (laughs) (laughs) I think if you combine all those three things and the fact that women are taught as a taboo topic to be very self-aware of insecurities and perceived flaws so that, you know, they're going into the bedroom or wherever the fuck you're doing it, I don't care, no judgment, mm. um, with questioning their self-worth. And I think between that and men feeling as though they have to perform as well, like it's not just all on females and them feeling insecure, it's men as well because they want not bragging rights, but they're told that they if they can't make a female come, then they are less than. Mm. Um, and I think that bit is really dangerous is that like sex can still be pleasurable with or without orgasms, but it is so much nicer if, a f- say, if you want to orgasm that you're able to. Yeah. 
say. Why would you want to? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like, there's obviously connection. There's obviously emotional bonding all that kind of stuff as well. Like, and this is where a lot of neurotransmitters are released, which is why there's no such thing as casual sex. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so... When you look at that, so the, it's the frequency with which men have orgasms during sex versus women. So only about 20% of women can orgasm through penetrative sex alone. Mm-hmm. Most women need stimulation of the clitoral complex as well. So the clitoral complex is a lot bigger what they, than they first actually looked at. And your actual clitoris is only a small, small part of that. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that every single females vulva and vagina set up or clitoral urethral complex and things is individual so unless you explore masturbation or self-exploration you don't know your body like you can't just look into like dolly magazine if that's still a thing or have a look at youtube videos or i don't know what else or even looking to porn or something as well is that it's not real what you need to focus on is your own body um yeah so i think there's a disconnect between male pleasure is one thing. Yeah. The peak of female pleasure is completely different. It's not the same thing. So you're trying to coordinate two different sets or styles of pleasure into one connection. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's about educating men, I suppose, to ask for it. But more importantly, women to verbalize and to understand their body better. Yeah. Okay. And the way to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Masturbation would definitely be the first one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it depends. Like... When you look at it as a society, a male talking about how many times he's jerked off in that day seems completely normal, especially if he's talking to his males. If a female was to walk around and be like, oh my gosh, yeah, okay, unless they're me, guys. (laughs) But if they were just like, great orgasm last (laughs) night, like totally nailed it. Me and and the vibes went one-to-one. It was great. Um, I think like the stigma around it is a lot more dirtier for women. Mm which shouldn't be, shouldn't be the case. Um, And I think as well as being open and explorative to it, like your lubrication, even in your vagina itself, isn't going to be the same every single week or every single month. So don't be ashamed to use lube. I think is probably one of the other things as well is that like if you're getting pain, yes, obviously sort that out if it's an ongoing chronic problem, but also like lube makes things better. So if you need to feel more comfort in doing so, that it's nothing, no shade thrown against the guy or anything like that because your cyclical amounts of vaginal lubrication are going to change with your hormonal balance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one other caveat to that we can go into is OCP, but that does create a lot of vaginal dryness and clitoral shrinkage, which can affect obviously the orgasm gap as well. If you have a smaller surface area and less lubrication to make something more pleasurable, it's yeah. obviously going to affect that too. Um, and you were saying before that it takes a lot longer for women to yeah. sort of get ready. Like, you know, the foreplay needs to be longer for... It does need to be longer. So we don't want to run into... I want to make sure I get correct terminology here, but essentially for the muscles of your vagina essentially to relax without pounding into objects which are going to be painful you need at least like it's a 30 to 40 minute warm-up and I'm not saying the guy needs to go down on you for 30 40 minutes that would be fucking amazing but um (laughs) but more so like simitex throughout the day or um kissing and hugging and like words of affirmation or all that kind of stuff that stuff is what's going to 
loosen or juice up your mm. your limberness mm-hmm. um, and allow penetration to be a lot more pain free. Yeah. So I think this is the thing is I don't like. There is no bragging rights if a guy's like, oh, yeah, she's tight. Like, that fucking, I bet that hurt. Like, no, bitch. Like, I wasn't even warmed up. It's like preheating the oven before you stick in the turkey. So, <laughs> um, I think, that. I think like, yeah, it, there's a lot of shade thrown in areas that shouldn't be when you understand it. Like, obviously, like, you can look at, one, vaginal lubrication for women not always being the same. Two, dick size really doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> like, if we can just say that out loud. Um, and it's... Sex should be an experience, not a performance. Yeah. And that's on both parties. Like, men shouldn't feel as though they have to perform in a certain way. It's about the communication being the best lubrication that you can have in a situation like that. But also, I think, like, solo time. Like, it's not just sex with men. It's sex with yourself and being comfortable with your own body and, you know, utilizing vibrators or utilizing something specifically to you. Because I can tell you right now, the vibrators that I like won't be the same as another female. Because my body setup and the nerve endings of my vulva or whatever are completely different to somebody else. And like your vulva shape and everything like that is completely different and that's completely normal. Um, But yeah, I think emotional connection, especially for women during sex is a big thing. But not only emotional connection to the person they're with, but also to themselves to understand that they uh, have the right to feel pleasure and the right to feel as though they deserve to orgasm or to experience sex and to appreciate their body and have somebody else appreciate their body. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's, you know, it's definitely a thing to do with, yeah, like self selfishness and selflessness, you know, it's, you know, you want your partner to feel good as well. And you, mm-hmm. you know, you're always looking after them and making sure that they're satisfied, but then as well, you got to look after yourself. Yeah. And your own satisfaction. I think well. I remember I was telling you that as, <laughs> as a young girl, um, like I used to pride myself on how quickly I could make a guy come <laughs> like, and when I think back to that yeah. now, I'm like, that's so sad. Like for me, because like, obviously I was like, Oh, well, my duty is just to, for their pleasure essentially. Yeah. Um, and if I think to that now, I'm like, fuck no, I'm going to make it last as long as possible. And for me, like, imagine if you change the stakes, imagine if sex only counted, if a female came. Yeah. Like, I think the stats of how many, like how much sex have you had? Your numbers would drop, like drop drastically. Um, so I think that's a key marker, but also like, as you said before, like, yes, why would you not want to orgasm? So from an orgasm perspective, you're looking at like greater mental clarity, improved cognitive function, decreased anxiety and depression, improved emotional well-being, better immune function, stress relief, improved skin complexion, get a glow, um, better bone health. And that's obviously just to name like a few, but also you can help with things like hypothalamic amenorrhea because you're teaching your body that it is in a state of reproduction. Really? So wow. I actually get some of my girls, if they're reverse side enough and they've lost their period, I tell them to masturbate like daily or at least every second day or something like that because you're teaching your body what is normal. Your clitoris, your muscles in your vagina and your vulva and things, it is a muscle. So if you don't utilize a muscle like we do in the gym, guess what? They're more catabolic or they're going to recede in size and stuff as well. So give it like you need to work that muscle in order to feel it. But also if you... Okay, we're going to take it as a violin. And that nerve sensation, like that nerve sensation as well. Mm-hmm. And that mind to like mind to muscle essentially connection. Yeah. Like you're teaching your body exactly about what's down there, you yeah. know? I actually never thought about it like that before because I teach a lot of like, 
you know, strengthening the pelvic floor, creating that mind-muscle connection with the pelvic floor and using the pelvic floor in a functional way. But I never mm -hmm. actually thought about, I mean, it is, it's connected, like the pelvic floor, like that's sort of what those muscles is, is yeah. what you're talking about. So Yeah, and you'll probably find as well, like if you're doing a lot of that stuff as well, it was like, um, especially with HA, I suppose, but someone can be extremely tight in pelvic floor areas, which is what makes sex painful for them as well. So yeah. having that, internal massage from yourself is a way to obviously help loosen that tissue and make it feel more pleasurable yeah and something else to take into consideration is um intercourse after childbirth as well can be quite painful so yeah. these things can also work for those sorts of things as well and and you know getting back into the rhythm getting back into the routine and you know that's again going to be a conversation to have with the partner as well like making sure that you know, she's comfortable with the amount of penetration and things like that. And, you know, there's no, um, you know, there's enough lubrication and things like that are going to be definitely things to take into consideration, you know, post-childbirth as well. Because there can be a lot of anxiety around yeah. that the first time or the first couple of times. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think like you just said, like that comfortability of like reassurance of your partner that it's okay like if they've just fucking birthed a human like mm. you're already a queen as you are but yeah things may be structured a little bit more different it may be a little bit more discomfort it may take a few times to feel like you get it right and that's okay like it should just be an experience and a learning curve for both yeah and there's also going to be you know changes to the body that she may be insecure about which may affect you know her mindset going into it as well so yeah, I think that's super interesting. Yes, I do. The orgasm gap is one of my favorites, but I think I use it as a tool as well. Is that what it comes down to is that you don't believe you're worthy of orgasming or you don't you don't have enough calories essentially <laughs> or energy to warrant your libido. Yeah. Um and I think that's probably one of the biggest things like the amount of women who come through and I obviously do a screening test and stuff at the start. Um, like where do you rate your libido? And normally it's like oh, low, moderate or stuff like that. And I've just had one girl. So she's been off OCP now for a year and it's only now she's getting WAP back. Like it's only now her juices are starting to flow like ovulation wise. Oh, you're using so many like WAP. Is that like that, that <laughs> song? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so like that's shit's crazy. Like you'd want like if you're coming off OCP at least six months like before trying fertility to start for a child and stuff as well. So if it's taking a year to get out of your system, obviously that depends on your body's detoxification and how well it gets rid of excess estrogen and your liver function and all that kind of stuff as well. So um, that's probably a big one. Like I think that obviously the OCP or like any kind of hormonal contraceptive is seen as like female empowerment and liberation it's not really if mm. it shrinks the size of your clitoris it gives you nutrient deficiencies um and it dries a lot of things up with synthetic like estrogen then is that really yeah like empowerment like uh probably not really yeah so i think that's yeah that's probably one of the big things but um i think it all goes hand in hand with giving yourself the right that you deserve to eat enough food and you deserve to feel your own pleasure i guess or orgasm yeah awesome Loved it. Anything else you want to say? Where can we find you? Um, you can find me pretty active what on the What do you do? Oh, yeah. We do have a good advocate. I'm so <laughs> glad we just talked about this all the time, but that's fine. Um, so I work with clients online, um, predominantly female, but I work in the space of generally all body transformations. However, a lot of a reverse dieting, um, a lot of 
uh, underlining the calories and making sure that they get fat loss in a healthy way. Um, all of my clients, I refer out and get blood testing done to check for any micronutrient deficiencies. Um, I analyze a lot of their like gut and symptoms and their hormonal balance, I guess, as well. So, and their sex life as well. And their sex life. <laughs> you have no idea how much I know about my client's sex life. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Like, I'm a TMI kind of coach, so I want to know that kind of stuff. And I think that's definitely in the missing link. So, for me as a coach in like point of difference as well is that I – want to work with their mindset. I want to understand their libido. I want to understand their digestion and their micronutrient makeup and their blood work and things like that for optimal health, not just their fat loss, but so that the fat loss that they get is aligned with a healthier body and a healthier mindset because that habit that they've set up then is going to be the thing that carries them on over in life. So generally, I like to pride myself on teaching my clients rather than just telling them what to do. I would rather they're with me for 12, 16 whatever weeks then they leave and they have amazing things to say about the journey and they can do it by themselves versus feeling as though they have to rely on me yeah yes yeah Yeah. because it's yeah like it's like leading a is it horse to water oh my gosh what's the saying and and trying to make it drink or stand on its head and drink oh my god you can lead on head you can lead you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it stand I don't know. I know you can't make a drink. Well, I I someone's told me the wrong quote, probably, and I've just thought it's truth. <laughs> I you love can't that. make it stand on its head and drink. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that right? I'm looking that up. Sure. Oh my gosh, I feel that's so not right. Um, but yeah, so generally, if they're doing fat loss, I'm making sure that their fat loss is sustainable and they're maintaining their libido, they're maintaining their menstrual cycle as a sign of like fertility and health. Um, and also that if they are not eating enough or they have amenorrhea or they have some kind of gut issue, we're looking further and investigating why rather than just band-aiding um the issue and is it the same it's you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink <laughs> yeah someone else has told me that you can make you can't make it stand on its head and drink oh, i don't know oh yeah so i think that's it like i think yeah from a health marker standpoint your blood's never lie so like you can be objective as you want i love data and i love looking further and investigating the reasons as to why but yeah my clients get a lot of data that they have to fill out for me because it doesn't it that way it's not dependent on their perspective like someone could be like oh I had a really bad week or I'm oh this is my favorite is when they're reverse dieting and they're like oh I'm so fat now I've gained so much weight and etc because they perceive that calories equal body fat gain Mm -hmm. but obviously I do quite strict reverses so they can maintain their weight because that's a mental health kind of thing as well as I don't want them to feel as though they just got like yeah supersized me um so, but then when you look and you, their measurements are exactly the same. Yeah, their weight might be out 500 grams, but their, say their waist has dropped two centimeters, their hips are down one centimeter. I'm like, where? Yeah. Like, where did you gain this weight that you perceive that you did? Mm. Um, and if they're looking better, and I think as well as like when it comes to reverse dieting and nourishing your body, you can 100% tell in someone's energy and personality when they start with you and say they're on like 1200 calories or something silly. Um, and they're just like resting bitch faces strong and they hate life and they're bitter and they don't remember the last time they had sex and they're just, they're just a shell of their former self. Um, and then all of a sudden they're eating more and they're just happy for no reason. And like they enjoy food and they also don't have obsessive thoughts about food. Mm. And I think that food freedom along with the health aspect and the mindset is kind of the combo that I want to put into all of my clients. Um, along with obviously their education to do it without me. But I, yeah, I think nutrition and health 
and education about training and nutrition and supplementation and things and your vagina and your <laughs> menstrual cycle and everything else like that should be common knowledge like it shouldn't be like an elite group get to know that and you don't you yeah. know it's your body and you should have the right to access your information about yourself yeah so basically food is life and sex is life food sex training what else yeah sleep meditation actually i always have a hashtag what is it like meditate masturbate hydrate educate masticate masticate i do love masticate is chewing though yeah so yeah i do like to masticate yeah um and then swallowing which <laughs> doesn't really rhyme protein um but <laughs> um yeah i think like that kind of stuff is like oh and sleep sleep is such the biggest one like people's weight fluctuate with their cycle but they fluctuate even more so with sleep deprivation yeah um and constipation as well so so many women I've come across and even men and stuff as well is that they think it's normal to go a week with only pooping once a day. Like I just can't imagine that. Pooforia is one of my favorite words. Yeah. Like you should wake up and have pooforia and orgasms most days. Love that. Um, actually, just one more thing before we finish up. What do you suggest for improving sleep? Oh, okay. Um, I definitely would say the caffeine one as well. So limiting that. You want to, so your eyes and your optic nerve and things like that respond to what they see. So see the morning light mm-hmm. um, and then also see the evening light. And I mean the sun, not light globes in your house. Yep. When it is after dark, try and keep the lights in your house more amber and orange so that it can allow like melatonin secretion. Yep. What I sort of heard is direct sunlight for your eyes in the morning, but then in the afternoon sunlight with sunglasses on so shade it up a little bit as you sort of get yeah like as it goes down like obviously watch the entire sun go down but I think the other one that people might forget as well is that you need to like yourself needs to calm down so if you're watching action movies and stuff like that at night or drama and you're hyping yourself up you're Mm. kind of releasing adrenaline which isn't allowing you to fall asleep easily you need to have a really good bedtime routine I don't I prefer my clients not to watch TV after, say, 8 p.m. and just to read or something instead um, and to combine carbs and fats with their dinner to help with, like, the blood-brain barrier, getting melatonin melatonin across and having, like, tryptophan and stuff like that to induce sleep as well. Um, And and also ensuring that the insulin doesn't spike through your sleep, right? So, like, you're having carbs without the fats, the fats sort of helps the Mm -hmm. carbs. Yeah, you want to stabilize your blood sugar overnight. So that and if I was looking at like if someone was really, really struggling, um, I think as well as like having set bedtime and like sleep and wake cycles. Mm. Yeah. um, And probably keeping electronics out of your bedroom if you can. Um, Cool dark room. Cool dark room. Yeah, if it's too hot, you won't be able to sleep. Lavender infusers. This is what I've got right now. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Sage your shit. Don't let go of any excess emotional energy um i think the brain dump and journaling and gratitude is really good so that you're not going to a bed in a state of anxiety yeah um if i was to look at supplementation or things like that i really like passion flower and l-theanine um really calming and you could have maybe chamomile tea in the afternoon instead of having like green tea or something like that um yeah i think that they're probably my main ones um yeah i yeah. can't think of any others yeah awesome Try it out. I'm glad you said seven hours, seven to eight hours, because I was like, oh shit, I'm 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 a seven hours, like always seven hours. <laughs> yeah, and like that fluctuates with your cycle and stuff too. I know that right before my cycle, like I'll need a big ass sleep, and I'll be like, what the hell is wrong with me? And like it's a big process and stuff for your body too. Yeah. Um, but with some naps. Don't mind a nap. Oh, I can't Occasionally. nap. Occasionally, I wish I could nap. It depends. Sometimes. Yeah. 
Well, no, it's I'm I'm not your nap kind of girl. But yeah, like making sure you get adequate sunlight during the day too, and that your sleep is is regular times. Um, yeah, don't sleep next to fuckboys. I think that's the, the <laughs> other one. No sleepovers. <laughs> no sleepovers. <laughs> get out. Alrighty. Um, cool. Well, thanks for joining me, Amy. That was really interesting. I'm oh, sure thanks. everyone would really uh, like. I was just sitting here just listening i'm like learning so much so that's great um so instagram at needham fit do you want to spell that yeah so need and then the letter m for mum and then f-i-t for like fitness um need as in n-double-e-d n-double-e-d-m-f-i-t um i will actually compile i've got a few of my orgasm gap posts and things like that so maybe i'll chuck those on my story yeah and people can i'll put it in a highlight or i can put it in the show notes as well yeah okay cool for that for the podcast if you guys are interested cool all right thanks for joining guys hope you enjoyed this one maybe we'll get amy back again soon if you have any more sexual related questions (laughs) bit of a bit of a different podcast today (laughs) which is great (laughs) all right thank you Bye. bye